Hey, this is Jake Ottinger here. Get your stars fixed every day by following the Dallas Stars on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. It's the best place for team news, contests, and behind-the-scenes content you can't get anywhere else. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. It's the Podman Rush, number seven, and it's being brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer, while emanating from FLA. Mike, I wish we were recording from a couple of bar stools at the Paul Mile. Do you think people will get that reference? No. Did you? No. Come on. Now, I want to be at the MTV Fort Lauderdale Spring Break here in November. <laughs> what a loser. The Paul Mile. Slap shot. Oh, okay. I did. I should have gotten I'm not going to quote the rest of that gotcha. little soliloquy okay. within there. That went right over my head. Met a barmaid at the Paul Mile. That one. Alas, <laughs> we are at the RC. And no, it's not spring break. Or maybe it is for you today. Can you going to go down MTV Raps, MTV Beach House, that kind of thing? Sure. Relive your youth? Yeah. Did you ever do the spring nah, break thing? I was poor. My friends all did. Oh, my God. You're just bringing the entire thing down <laughs> Sorry about that. Mike. You asked. We just finished before we came on talking about how you take Positivity. such a sunny look at everything. It was a hard upbringing Glass for me. Last three quarters full. And now you're like, no, I, no, I didn't go to spring break. I didn't I worked. money. I worked that I had spring to work. break. <laughs> I was in a coal mine. Uh, how are you doing this morning, Mike? I'm fine. How okay. about you? All right. <laughs> We're good. All right. Well, stars this week. Coming off that unfettered 5-4 overtime loss at Tampa. Some good, some bad, mostly good <laughs> after reading your article, All right. right? Well, I like to look at the positive things, and I told you, I, even at the morning news, I did that. Um, I think there are things that need to be looked at. I think the coaching staff knows that. They tell us that. I think the players know it. Uh, so I do like to say what was good about this game. And I do think that they put themselves in a position to learn a few things. Yes. Uh, things that, that the first 14 games did not put them in position to do. I guess a Toronto game could have, uh, but this was one where they had to claw back in to get to overtime and then, you know, try to uh, win a game there. We were posing the question immediately after that one. What would your guess be as to how many times the Stars have lost when scoring multiple power play goals and – a shorthanded goal in the same game. Zero. Oh, wait. One. It wasn't a loss. Rare, rare as a bloody Wagyu steak with the horn still on it and the heart still beating. That kind of rare. You're from like Western Canada, aren't you? I just tried to paint pictures, Mike. Okay. Mind, mind pictures. It is true. Theater of the mind is what I work in. So Josh Clark, our uh, amazing font coordinator and Stata matic uh individual on our on our broadcast is not on the trip because we do these these wild split cloud broadcasts now uh but he i hit him up this morning and he went through it and did it he's he is amazing with numbers yeah and his ability he's like having a little computer with us i call him greg uh but the record is this and it's a very unstable record when you think back to when this is how records were tabulated in the NHL. Yeah. 
So their record when they score multiple power play goals and a shorthanded goal within the same game is 49-6-1-3. and three. So the one is a tie or the three I are tied? I looked at it this morning. I was doing the same thing. I was like, what, what does that mean? It's like lottery numbers or something. <laughs> but there was a time when that's how ties. we just try to confuse people. Yes. I remember when that first came out. And you would look at it in the newspaper, and it was like every other league had just wins and losses or wins and losses and ties. And then hockey had that, four columns. Yeah, the HL still, I don't know if they do now, but they did for a while, where it was the overtime loss and shootout loss were different. But that's, if you do the math, that's... Uh, I can't believe they lost that's six 49 in regulation. Of 49 of 59. I can't believe, I was actually surprised by that too. Yeah. Because it just seemed like you can't. It's it's near impossible. And but again, uh, the six in regulation are the ones that stuns me. Yeah, that's what I said. Like everything. Oh, did you? I said I, I can't believe they lost six in regulation. Nah, it's okay. Nobody okay, listens to me. Depending on how you care <laughs> to splice the schedule, I'm going to ask you one of those. Uh, th- this and then blank. Yes. Answer it. It's fun. It's like a game show here this morning. Depending on how you care to splice up the the schedule that the squad has played so far uh you would you would call it what like your your blanket statement for the stars would be blank Blank. um they are blank growing Hmm. because i i'm very interested to see what they can do once they get home for a little while Mm. uh you know matt defranks I'm, I have distance from him. He's I think he should. Leaving to the Blues. Uh, He's now the enemy. He got stuck in Winnipeg for an extra day there because of travel and whatever. Why do you phrase it that way? Stuck in Winnipeg. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, so he had to come back uh, for the uh, game, what was that, Friday? And then go on Saturday and get right back on the road to Philadelphia and yada, yada, yada. So it was almost like a road game to him. And I said the same thing. I and mean, we got two nights at home, so it was a little bit better. But they're literally playing seven games in seven different cities. And I think the, it's taken its toll. I could be wrong. Yeah, it, it does. I'm always the one that chafes a little bit right, at because it. It's, you're Just in- because, I mean, look where we're at right now. It is so, it's, it's really rough, yeah. right? And we had the hard 45-minute flight to get here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> first class. Now, that, that's, that's when you look at it on the sort of surface and superficial, right. and you're like, come on. You know, private jet, beautiful hotels. They're not, they're not playing back-to-back games. Nope. There's a day off in between almost all of these games, or there has been. And, uh, and yet, it, it does feel like it, it does feel like it's a... a a sapping march that they've been on here. And uh, so you understand it from a, a competitive yes. standpoint. And, I, and the numbers say they're a much better team at home than they are on the road. Well, last, do we even know? Uh, well, last year, I mean. Last oh, year, yeah. Last year, last I think they year. were seventh. Come on, Mike. They were forward. a mediocre Living team overall. I shouldn't say mediocre. They were a fine team. Um, but I got, but yeah. they were excellent yeah. at home. So then my thought process is, Will they take advantage of the next step in the schedule and how important will that be? Because I've brought up to you, look at your numbers and your goals for goals against power play penalty kill. Shouldn't you maybe have a better record than you have right now? And is that because they've been on the road so much? It's a factor. I don't think there's any, any question. Like it is interesting. 
the the players themselves, you know, whatever. Um, not, no, I don't mean it that way, but <laughs> but whatever. But when you you hear veteran coaches like the crew here, and you can you can see it a little bit on them, and you can hear it uh, just with with our travel, and even when you're at home, like those are busy days yeah. back and forth to the rink. And that it's just eating up. It's just eating up so much uh, time, and I I would have to think a, a ton of energy too. I'd call it they are learning and and bonding. Yes. The great thing about being on the road as much as they have been is that there's a ton of time for this group to to truly galvanize and gel a little bit. Um, not that there's a ton of new faces in here, but it. It just seems to me that they haven't had as much of this, what we've seen here in the opening month and a bit, uh, in past as as they're doing right now. Right. Which I think can be really healthy. Like today, they'll get together and they'll do whatever. It's an off day, but they'll they'll still uh, be together in informal settings and that. And I think that's really healthy for the long haul. And there's no question they're they're still learning. You can yeah. see it within games. On actual paper, they've lost what uh, two of three since we did this in the yeah. massive ballroom in the peg, uh, and this this trend here is perpetuating, which I find sort of fascinating because you talk about last year and and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well they were a great home team last year, they should be a terrific home team this year, right? Well, last year they couldn't, they didn't win blowout games, they won all the close games. And this year, it's the polar opposite. So, if you look at it now, their their wins are, are blowout proportion wins, and their losses are little or by a hair. So, games decided by three or more goals, they have a record of eight and two. They've been phenomenal in doing that. In games decided by two goals or fewer, they have one win in six games. Wow. Now, they've managed to pick up some points right. in those two. I think their re- overall record one, three, and two. Mm-hmm. We're back to that yep. stuff again. But just just one in in six, so you know this stuff likely evens out a little bit as we move forward. But in the early season, the those are the digits. Well, and there's history in this league too of teams that have it. I don't want to say too easy, but who win by two and three goals. That once they get to the playoffs, uh, it's hard. Like I mean, there's a there's a definitely some scar tissue that gets built up when you go to you know when you're protecting a one goal lead at the end of a game or you're trying to come back from a one goal deficit or you're going to overtime 20 times in a season, uh, it, it builds something inside you uh, and you get kind of used to it. But as we said, if, if all your one goal victories are in shootouts or right. the majority of them, what does that really mean come or even overtime? Like there's no three yeah. on three overtime in the playoffs. True. But I think the process of getting there and then just making this, I, I agree with that. Am I wrong again? Fart noises. Hooey. I don't know. I'm just trying to play the old I devil's know. advocate. I to know. You. No, I, I hear you. In I, the process. I, I bet that that probably, if you took a deep dive into it, probably plays out that way. Yeah. Right? Because there, there is a, a hardening, a coarser aspect to teams that, that have to grind their way and understand how we're up by one and this is going to finish either up by one or up by two. Yeah. Uh, cause it is, but it is awfully nice to win games breezy. Oh, I mean, so good for us. <laughs> <laughs> so good for, for you. For me, I'm got you know, just get that story written by well, the and, second intermission. Yeah, and yes. then, you know, then you have your story ideas. Do you have your questions before you even go down there? Because well, you know, 
Wisdom is the ability to put adequate weight to data, facts, and information. Hmm. That's what we do here. The Podman Rush. Uh, let's do a quick uh, little uh, segment on the offside rule. Because we've had yeah. back-to-back games now where it's come into play. It was a pretty big topic, I believe, at the general manager's meetings that just conclu- they concluded? Or are they still going? I don't know. I don't either. I need to keep up with that. Well, until they solve the offside rule, they should stay in the room. How's that? So the Sagan goal in Philadelphia and then the Ian Cole goal last night. Uh, here, hear me out on this, Mike. And then, and then I want your intellectual uh, vision of a future of Ooh. where offside should go. I think the actual or eventual goal scorer, the guy that actually scores the goal, has to have been the player who was offside in order for it to be challenged or called back. Hmm. Interesting. There. Solved. Okay. Um, maybe. Okay. Go ahead. How, how do you challenge? I mean, so then your video guys have to make that assessment in two minutes, which is, I think, one of the problems with last night's, you know, failed call is they, you know, they didn't have all the information they wanted and they still felt that they were right. So now you're going to have to make go back and make sure it's the goal scorer. I guess you can do that. Um, it, it, it did. It did seem poetic that Tyler's goal was waved off because Tyler was offside. I mean, you're sitting there going like, okay, well that's pretty good because I remember one back in Lindy's day when uh, one of the kids, I think Yoki Paka, had his first NHL goal waved off because Hemsky was offside or something like that. I think you're right. Yeah. And and I remember Lindy said at the time, he goes, he knew the rule, he broke the rule, and he took away a great moment from a young kid. And he was mad. Like, how dare you go offside? And, you know, but again, what was that? 40 seconds after he went offside, that's when you'll be Yeah, Pocket that, that seems to be the, the main uh, thrust of the conversation right now yeah. is that, Maybe there should be a time limit. Like if it, if a team is offside, enters the zone. Now, if you're offside, you're offside. Right. But if you're offside and you enter the zone, what is the statute of limitations yeah. on this thing? Like if you're in there for 30 seconds and then you score, should you really be able to go back and say, well, hold it now. They were yeah. illegal on their entry into right. the zone. And then my other thing that I always have an issue with this subject is you're almost cherry-picking a thing that you want to really drill down on. Because there are so many other random things that go on within the game that aren't challengeable or video reviewable and that. And this one is. Right. Like, like should should icing be? Should you go back and see who actually won the race to the hash marks? Or did he he fire the If it led to this. And then you're like, well, what if this led to a penalty and then that penalty led to a power play. Like, you, you can go down a rabbit yeah. hole immediately. I just think if you – and I, I might be completely wrong. I think I am. But I, it came to me last night that you should just have the actual goal scorer. And if he is offside, not if some guy on the far side that right. never touched the puck, was never involved in the play, is the reason why that goal got uh, disallowed. Because it doesn't make any – that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'll give you one more final thought. At the time that they, you know, uh, did the skate over the blue line, didn't have to be touching. I was to the point like, just throw it out. Let the let's just trust the linesman and and then let's move forward. There is no review process. 
you know, if he's offside, the linesman calls it. If he's not offside, the linesman calls it, and we move forward. How it's, validated do you think that linesman feels last night? Because he was, I think he was eight feet away from that entry. Yeah. And you saw his hands going like everything's good. And he and called it onside. Yep. And then they have to go through all the machinations. It took a while. And uh, yeah, ultimately he's like, yeah, I had it in real time. Yeah. Ta-da. Uh, the guy behind the bench for the, the Bolts, John Cooper, is in his 11th year coaching the Lightning. Unheard of in today's climate. He has had some success. And some failures. That's though. true. Yeah. Right? Yep. So he's obviously the longest tenured and by a mile. The guy that was second to him is now his assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> Smart pickup. Blaschel. That's right. Yeah. Uh, look, they there was a time where they could have made a change, probably when they lost, got swept. At, but how would you even do that? They won 62 games in the regular season. Right. And then they got swept by Tortorella's uh, Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. And you could have looked at it then and as an organization and said, well, maybe we're stuck. Maybe we were, need a different voice like all these people say. But they stayed with them. Uh, and then back-to-back cups and, and lost in the final last year. That, that was the year, though, I think they let Rick go. And I think that was a big move for the front office because Rick's a dynamic personality, and I think that allowed John Cooper to maybe become – more of the head coach, maybe because Rick is. I mean, like we we watched him when he was an assistant, and he was he's very loud, very vocal, very just. There's a the big light that shines on him, and it's just because of who he is. I don't think he, he's trying to take it from anybody. It's just that's his personality, and so by moving Rick out and letting John Cooper maybe take a little bit more, maybe that was the move that they decided to or make. Or the other thing. If you're going to have that kind of longevity, you better have really good assistants. Yes. And he's had that. Derek Lalonde now coaches the Red Wings, uh, and he was instrumental in everything yes. that they have done. And Bones was a huge part oh, of yeah. what they did before that and the the development of a guy like, like Hedman. So the longest tenure for a coach with one team, you have any idea? It would have to go back away, right? It goes back. Yeah, I mean, you can go basically back to the original six teams yeah. to get it's the longest. It's not Scotty because he, he no. moved around quite a bit. Um, Just think of the award. Toe Blake? Think no. of the award. Who's the coaching award for? My brain's I not believe working. it's called the Jack Adams Jack Award. Jack Adams, there you go. I had a brain injury, remember? <laughs> I can't dig back that Mike, far. This, this was my gift to you. I know. This was my gift to you. Who did who did Jack Adams coach for twenty years? Um, it's very close to home for you. Hmm. I can't give you a better clue than that. Hmm. Brain injury or not, the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> he coached Detroit for twenty years. That was and back in the day. That's yeah, what you did. I know, I know. And they were by themselves. There were no assistant no. coaches in that. So I looked at it last night before the game, and the, to find someone that is more recent that's ahead of him that, you know, that isn't like Billy Ray that right. coached the Chicago Blackhawks or Toe Blake or, or uh, Jack Adams. It's Al Arbor. Ah. Who went, he went 13 years contiguously. Yeah. And then there were a couple of years off. I think he, did he move into general manager and then went back down or something yeah. like that? Uh, but that's, that was early eighties. And 
since then, they just have rotated it like a rotisserie chicken <laughs> in behind benches. So how many current coaches have coached just one NHL team? That was the next thing I started to ponder. And it is a, it is a carousel. And, and not just head coach, like take away the guys that were assistant coaches somewhere. Right. Just guys that have only coached one organization in the NHL right now that are behind the 32 benches. There's five. Wow. And Cooper's one of them. Yeah. Rod Brindamore in Carolina. Yep. Who seems like a career coach in Carolina, too. He might be there for 20 years. Uh, you have Cooper. You have Sheldon Keefe, who's fairly early in his tenure with yep. the Leafs, and they had him fired four games into the season up in Toronto. Uh, defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche's Jared Bednar. Yes. And the Montreal Canadiens, Mate Saint-Louis, who came from bantam coaching. I was going to say, it's just because he never coached coach anywhere. There. But that's it. Everyone right. else has either been a head coach somewhere else or been an assistant coach uh, somewhere else. Yeah. Isn't that wild? It is. And But then, like I said, you look at this group of assistants that they have here, and um, they seem to be successful coaches, yet they all found themselves without jobs. And so when that happens, and again, whether that's just teams need to refresh, uh, good people are out on the street, and it's easy to hire them. This group is well coached. There's yes. no question. Like uh, Steve Spott has done wonderful work. I mean, how do you argue? The yeah. special teams are – Top three on both sides. Yeah. Might even be top two on both sides this morning after yeah. last night. I think it's two and three. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, so I, I like, I, and they've done it before, and now they're doing it somewhere else again where they have excellent special teams. But uh, Elaine Nazruddin has done great work with that penalty kill. Yep. Uh, like great work. I love the way they kill penalties, and I really like the way their power plays go at it. Like when you just sit there and watch it, you're like, yeah. Because there's an aggre- there's there's an intelligent aggression aggression to how they go about their business. That's a great way to say it. Because you know, like I was asking Pete, they did the five on two drill the other day when they're just moving the puck all over the place, and I said, is that you know something that just goes from practice to also five on five? And because you watch the top line and they do that a lot of times at even strength, and and he goes, well, he goes, we were just trying to do the power play drill there, but again, it's that quick movement and i mean you just watch it it's completely different than what they had before and then raddick said last night just about protecting the league he goes well he goes we didn't just sit back there whatever not protecting the league but uh, aggression you know in a well in with a their game. penalty kill yeah. late you mean yeah. yeah and he goes we didn't yeah. just sit back there he goes we went for it yeah and no there's look if you don't try to kill penalties aggressively up ice the yeah. best penalty kills do that yeah and they certainly do that. And they're very good at their own blue line in uh, defending entries. Very good. And then once they get in there, again, there's there's intelligent, well, I'm going to pressure here. Yeah. But don't run around like chickens with your heads cut off. Like, like have some intellect to it. And got rewarded. Now, look, you're not going to get Mikhail Sergachev to burp one up in that fashion very often. But Although you, that ice looked tough last night. Well, and again, if you put pressure on, you force mistakes. I don't even know there was pressure. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. <laughs> but he was up ice. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you were back and waiting in neutral ice, for yeah. that would never happen. No. It would have never happened. Yeah. And Radek was even saying he was thinking they're going to drop pass. And so I'm going to try and at least be ready for that. And, and then he also said, he goes, the way their D was positioned, if I missed it, then 
I could get back and recover and I wouldn't be putting my team in a bad spot. But it's interesting to see a penalty killer go through that thought Mm -hmm. process and, you know, hey, how can I make a change and move here? And that's excellent reporting on your part, Mike. Wow, that's the stuff that we don't get. (laughs) Uh, Longest tenure in in Stars history. Just go Dallas Stars history because they didn't have enough energy to do Minnesota North Stars this morning. Dave Tippett? Yes. He was here for a while. How long do you think? Just off Seven the top years? of your head. No. Six. six full. Six full. Yeah. Six full. Yeah, it was a pretty good run. That's about if you look around now, that's about it. Yeah. That, that and I've talked to my buddies that are GMs or in management around the league, and they all say the same thing. Like if you ask them, you know, why did what was the final straw and making a change behind the bench or whatever, and they're like, Look, there's about a six year shelf life with your your core players that are going to be there and your coach no matter how yeah. good they are it's just like they need something different you just you can't it's t- tough to do what cooper has done and go over a decade yeah with the same voice now success kind of props that up a little bit but a little bit and uh, you would have thought maybe hitch cuz hitch coached in 7 seasons but two of those were partials uh-huh. came on for yeah. Bob Ganey in the beginning and then left with Bob Ganey in the end and, and Rick took over th- for the rest of that year. So, yeah, Tip, who's out of the game now? It's very strange. Yeah, out in Arizona. I think he's helping out with uh, his alma mater a little bit just through video. Yep. So he was telling me that the other day. So speaking of coaches, Mike, I want to hear your opinion on this one. I really do. And do do not even begin to try to bring my name up in this okay. at all. Because that would make you look even... Um, I, I don't think you'd be a good coach. I think you'd be a good GM. That was, well, we're not even going to go there. But you'd have to bring Tom ever. Holy on board to help yeah, you out Yeah, well, there. 1-0 against the it's Stars, right. Tom Holy, you mean. <laughs> I hope he had to pay a pile of money. If the Stars were going to lose that game. Yeah. And Tom Holy, former Stars PR guru now assistant gm with the sharks i hope it cost him like lots of commas (laughs) lots of commas on the board uh but jeff saturday the jeff saturday situation in football and man there were some hot opinions from people yes about whether that should ever happen guys were like mad the fraternity was upset about this which i found kind of bizarre I understood it from one standpoint, minority hires. I got that because they continue to get screwed with that. Uh, but some of the other stuff was they, – they had an issue with the fact that he hadn't coached. Yeah. And that was it. Who? I mean, you've been coached your whole life. You played in the league for a long time. You're covering the league. You know something about it. But the fact that he hadn't been a coach was just like, this is a travesty. So <laughs> – he went out of the booth and and onto the sideline in that sport, and they won. They beat the Raiders. Unreal. I'm just curious, like, when I started thinking of th- that, the last time our sport had something like that, I think it was Eddie Olchek, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. Did he go from the – I think the he went from the booth. booth to coach the Penguins, I think. On the, the guy in Montreal, right? Didn't he uh, come down from the TV booth to – Mario Trombley? Yeah. I think that was the other, that was the only two I could yeah. I could think of, and it worked for Mario yeah. immediately uh, in 
in Montreal, and then Patrick decided nope when he left him in yeah. for too many goals, and that was near the end of that that tenure. And the Eddie Edzo thing didn't. They had tons of talent, but it was it was a little loose, let's say, in in Pittsburgh at yeah. that time. So who could do it now? Of the guys that are players in the in the booth or on shows around the NHL or nationally, whatever, that haven't coached before, right? Because there are, you know, there's a lot of that seems to be sort of the the uh, roller coaster that goes on. You get fired, go on television, get hired again because you want to be visible. But yeah. if if you've never coached before, got any names that could do it? I don't really, because the ones I have are the guys who have coached and, yeah. and, and end up in the booth because of it. Well, the first name that came to mind with me was Mark Messier, because yeah. his his name popped up in New York before. And the, the argument was, same argument as Jeff Saturday, yeah. which was, well, hold it now. He's never coached. I don't care what he did as a player. Yeah. He's never coached. But I, I think, well, there's no question, I don't think, I know that Moose could coach yeah He'd, and he would be a good one and you hear coach on the ice all the time i mean they send about pavelski yesterday and i mean that's what Messier yeah. was kevin biexa would be another one i do like kevin biexa now i do wonder how the room would be the the personality of the team might be a little bit uh knee jerk is that is that a <laughs> phrase i could use do you think so I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't wasn't know. around him enough. He just seemed like a very emotional guy at times. But hey, eh. there's emotional coaches out yeah, there. I think he's sharp, and I, I believe he could, he could coach different factions of your room, and yeah. and yeah, I, I I think he could be another one. Keith Jones in yes. Philadelphia, and also on TNT now. I think Jonesy could coach. I don't think he'd wanna. I know he wouldn't wanna, but he could coach. Andy Brickley in Boston would be another one. I, I think he's smart. And he he comes at the job from that sort of mind, you know, a, a coach's mind. I yeah. think he could do it. And then the other one, my buddy Ray Ferraro, I don't know whether – I think he would be better suited for management than coaching yeah. because because he gets, he gets fiery mm -hmm. and he sees the game – almost purely from uh goal sucking cherry pick and snipers perspective because that's what he was yes <laughs> he makes no bones about it anytime you score a hundred plus goals in the whl in my era uh you were not familiar with your own end of the rink very <laughs> often or your netminder or defensive zone coverage but uh, i think those guys uh, i think it would be easier now than ever because if you had a guy that knows the game and can communicate and relate to players, that's kind of the main ingredient of the position yes. because analytics and the growth of assistant coaches has made – I don't want to call it like a safety net because it's not really a safety net, but it, there, there's a, a big sort of swath that you're included in as a head coach. You're not just isolated – and it's like, I'm going to go with my gut and do this and that. Yeah. You can lean on analytics a little bit. And everybody has, you know, video coaches, plural, and assistant coaches, plural, to help you out. Yeah, San Luis, it's a small window. We don't really know exactly what it is. But, like, I think he's that's exactly what he did. He yeah. went in there and said, 
help me make this organization better. And, you know, for last year he did. So it was the end. Look, they, for a team that is just kind of rebuilt or not kind of rebuilding, yeah. rebuilding. Young, very young. Very young. They play in a fairly exciting brand. Yep. They win enough. They're competitive. I don't know where it's going to shake out as far as yeah. where they're going to pick, but it, it hasn't been a disaster no. by any stretch of the no. imagination. No, and again, everything you've said about him relating to the players, the yeah. players will tell you, you know, Martin St. Louis helped me with this, this, and this because he's been there. And I, I do think that's important. Speaking of players, going going into uh, the Hall of Fame this year, another very worthy class, I thought. Uh, what did you think of this year's very, Hall of Fame class? Very Vancouver-y. It was. It was very <laughs> Canuckish. <laughs> because we had a couple of – was it two series or just one? I think we had two series up there, didn't we? Well, we had just the – We had the one-seven game. Just the sure. one. You got to go way back for okay, the other one. Okay, before the other one. To but like the early 90s. The – just the impact of those three guys on that city, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So when we were up there, and it was a great series, but, you know, those guys were heroes. Like, the entire city was behind them. And then, you know, watching the brothers, you know, do their sixth cent thing and, you know, know where the other and one Daniel. Is. Yep. It, it's incredible. And Luongo is... He was a really good goal. I oh wish he would have won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I, I mean, guess all, all three none of them. None of them did. No, none of them like, did. None of them that went in did. Daniel yeah. Alfredson was yeah. the other one. Very Swedish as well. Yes. Along with being Kanucky. Uh, I've long felt that Luongo was a Hall of Famer. I remember having debates with people, and they're like, are you really? And I'm like, it's the ho- Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not the National Hockey right. League Hall of Fame. Look at his international record with Canada and what yeah. he did in some tough spots. And then, you know, both in Florida, where we're at here now, and in Vancouver, he was, uh, I think he was uh, a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Pure and simple. Yeah. And uh, I think back to that series with Vancouver, and again, Turco joined Turk Broda as the only two goaltenders to record three shutouts in a series and lose. And lose. And lose. Lose. I don't know how he did it, but. Man, that game one up there went on forever. Yes. And then you're just stunned that they could compete at the level they did after it yeah get get back the energy and everything it was like that should have just been a one-off <laughs> you know you're thinking to yourself man oh man so anyway but yeah i i liked them i i, I enjoy when organizations that didn't win like i think there's going to be a nice yeah that's san a good Ho- point. A, there's going to be a nice san jose meeting at some point yeah because they did some great great things and they didn't get the cup to you know, show off just how good we were. Well, this it's a little bit of a sign to say, hey, we were a pretty good team for a while. There. And I don't believe in that argument that well, yeah, but did he win? Right. You're like, did he win? So many things have to go right for right. an individual to be a part of a team that wins. Luck and health and go down the list. Yeah. So yeah, I I think it's it's pretty. I think it's pretty awesome. I and they're all still in the game. That's yep. I remember a time when we would sit around and like, you know, these guys are made so much money in the game. Now, none of them are going to stick around. They don't need to. No. But they all do. It's an it's a, it's I unbelievable. I like, don't understand. The are I guess involved I do, in yes. Vancouver. Yeah. Luongo runs the Department of Goaltending or whatever they call it down yep. here. Yep. Um, Alfredson's extremely involved, thank God, back with the Ottawa Senators. Yep. So I think it's... I think it's beautiful. It's the way yeah. it should be. 
they just can't leave the game, right? Well, and I mean, there is a tie to it. It's there's you get up every morning, you have something to do. And you don't, you know, it's nice to be at the lake, but it's it's also nice to fight for a Stanley Cup. That is true. You know, you, you can't quit the game, but you should quit crypto. Was that your point the other day in the room? <laughs> I just don't understand around? it. Did you go around and poll all the players I, pretty on much crypto? every single one? And Tyler and I had a nice discussion. He said he'd take me to lunch and explain what crypto is and why. You know, I go, well, how do you get in your bank account? He goes, you just do. And I'm like, well, how do you? Yeah, I said, so if the U.S. is supporting the dollar and Canada is supporting its dollar, and I was, I had a talk with Radic too, and I said the uh, Chechia, and he goes Czech Republic, <laughs> like he corrected me and said, no, no, it's still the yeah, Czech Republic. Yeah, that was quite a yeah. fascinating <laughs> conversation too. The Czech Republic on one side, it's Czechia on the sports side, right? Is that what we came up with? Something yeah. like that. Anyways, but even and I, he, I just don't know who supports crypto, and so the fact that they had this big story of the bankruptcy and missing money. Well, the arena in LA supports crypto because yeah, it's do. called Crypto right. Arena. So. For now. <laughs> For now. Until when we get there, it might be something completely It might go different. back to Staples. That's right. I mock what I don't understand. Yeah, I think that's true. And hence, crypto seems very hocus-pocus financial voodoo to me. If I'm not mistaken, and help me out with this, Mike, because we're men of a certain age. When I was growing up, I remember making money off of a machine in your basement being extremely illegal. Yes. Like, extremely illegal. Like, you weren't allowed to do that. No. You can't print your own money. Right. And yet, through electricity and magic, they were creating crypto, or are creating crypto, in their basements or offices or whatever at home. You can just make this stuff at home. And what's the process? How do you mine I crypto? I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. Like, somebody... Has, you put a little miner's hat on, and, and then is your technique for mining better than somebody else's? And we that, sound like we probably sound like Katie Couric back in the day. What is what is this? Internet. The internet. What is how with is the, that with work? the little swirly thing in that? <laughs> My God, they'll listen back to this thing in twenty years and just be like, "Listen to these clowns." <laughs> hey, Thanksgiving is coming. I think it already passed. One of them did. the The big one, though, for the NHL and standings is on the horizon. The history of the standings suggests that it is very important. Is it a demarcation? Or is it just a, a subplot? Or is, what is it? What, what is that moment within a National Hockey League schedule? I think it used to be a demarcation, uh, just as a... And then we started playing in the spring, and you're like, well, I, I don't uh, even understand yeah, now. Where do we cut this, this off? What is the schedule anyway? Uh, I, I do think that in recent years, and the pandemic had something to do with it too, um, it's just harder to throw a team under the bus and say, okay, they're not making the playoffs because we've seen... Because that was basically it. It yeah. was like, if you're not in a playoff spot right. at Thanksgiving, it's probably over for you. Yeah. There, there was like one team would move in and one team would move out of the top eight maybe two, and yeah. that was it. Everybody yeah. else pushed through the year, and they were all playoff teams by the end. Yeah, and like I think the Blues run to the Stanley Cup because they were, they were out of the playoffs on January 1st, I think, right? Yeah. Until, they, until Bennington came up and won 25 out of 30 or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, and it, 
look, if you went through the history of this thing, yeah. I, I bet you would find, okay, there was a massive paradigm shift that went on because of this. Right. You know, whether coach fired, goal, goalie playing out of his mind that came out of nowhere, whatever, big, massive trade, something happened. Uh, but, I mean, when you, hey, when you look at it, so the stars are sitting pretty. Catbird seat, I think they call it. Much better than the past. They are first in the central. They are third in the west. They are eighth overall. They are on a 102-point pace. And then they've played tomorrow night. They'll play 11 of 17, 11, 17 of the first games on the road. Yeah. And so now, to do that in this situation with new bodies and faces and coaches and road schedule – they're in a they're in a very good place. Yeah. The caveat is that tomorrow is not Thanksgiving. No. It's not. We still have some time. To screw things up? What is it? Two weeks? Are we two weeks away? Uh, Week and a half? I don't know. Something like that? The Lions play that day. It's important. Well, think about this. While your Lions are playing, think about this. Martha Stewart has a new thing out for Thanksgiving. Okay. Spatchcocked turkey. Spatchcocked turkey. Okay. Just look it up. I'm just I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm gonna let it marinate. <laughs> you figure out, but Martha's got a new bag. Thanksgiving 2022 spatchcocked turkey. Did did Snoop help her put that together? You might have. <laughs> uh very quickly as we worked our way into the 40 minute. Speaking of demarcations, <laughs> name that line. Okay. We, we posed this last night. Whenever a juggernaut line, and juggernaut needs to be updated, by yeah. the way. Right? We, we need something for the, the new breed. Whenever a, a crypt- What is a juggernaut? What does that go back to? Like WW1 or something? Whenever a crypto line comes together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever one of these lines stays together for a long, long stretch, it gets a nickname yes. usually, right? So hence, Robertson and Pavelski have been a thing basically since the pandy started. Yes. Fans have tossed ideas in. Broadcasters have offered suggestions. And nothing has stuck. Nothing. I think it's a massive failure on our part. I think you're right. And by our part, I'm including you, the fan out there. Yeah. Like we, And many of them are going to go, well, hold it now. I have submitted my option here, there, and everywhere. But they haven't really captured the, the full imagination of what we have going on right now. They deserve, they deserve it. They almost demand it, Mike, with their play. Uh, back in the day, uh, I rolled out the Supernova Yes, you did. And it fell so flat that I vowed at the time to never, ever try again. No, but it, it was there. It was, it was at least... Mentioned by the actual players. Yeah, at times. I think that's when it actually okay. roosts. Like Owen has been on the Avenger thing, nah, and it just doesn't stick at all. No. So Avengers doesn't. Uh, we could do Pavelski and too. Sons. I don't. It, yeah, that actually made no, me chuckle when I read it. No. See, Brendan's shaking his head. Yeah. No. It's it's they're not bad. No. They're just not. It's not the perfection line. No. Or the production line. You know, it's it's not these epic 
lines the Legion of Doom. The West Coast Express or whatever it was called. West Coast Express. My yeah. brother-in-law yeah. was on that one. Naslin and Bertuzzi. Yeah, I mean, they are that's a that's a terrific uh, analogy or similarity that line and this line. Yep. And they got West Coast Express. So, going to come up with some I heard them on the radio on the ticket trying to come up with a name for the Cowboys defense. And they, they were going all over the map with that one. But these guys, they need one. All right. they, they, That's a project. They truly need one. Anything else? Uh, it's funny. The, that we, the, the beach is beckoning, Mike, so beckoning. make it quick. Uh, this is just an ironic whatever. Uh, so who is Joe Pavelski's favorite player, or who was when he was growing up? Brett Hall. So what did Brett Hall go to Detroit and do? He got a couple of kids, and they had the – what is it, uh, the old goat and two kids or whatever? And I remember talking to him at the time. I said, well, you know, uh, you know, they put you on like the third line. With See, these- it's such a, a great line that you don't even remember the name the, of the, the line. It was. It was uh, the See what I mean? old goat and two kids. No. Wasn't a great line. No. But point being is, so I asked him at the time. The grind line. I remember that the grind line in was Detroit. Big. But I, was, I asked Brett at the time, I said... The grumpy uh, old man, I remember that. Uh, I asked Brett at the time, you know, Scotty put you with these two rookies, and, and you know, I said, you, you know, you're a Hall of Famer. You know, did you not have any problems? He goes, well, they were pretty good. It was and Yeah. Yeah, just a couple kids. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to make it, but if you can do something with them, so that'd be great. So then you look forward... Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsuk. Okay. And, but then you look forward to Joe. Yeah. He's playing with two kids yeah, that are pretty good. good. That's good. So look, history repeats itself. I'm sitting there uh, on the off day in Tampa. I'm watching after practice, and there's Joe Pavelski. He's got Ty Delandria, and they're just ripping pucks yep. around the boards, working on trapping and controlling rims. And he's showing the kid. Yep. It was just like no substitute for that, man. No. When you can have a coach within your mix. Uh, and leadership like that, I think it. I think it's awesome. He called him Reg Dunlop the other morning. Uh, he did too. Yeah. We should get him a big leather coat and pants. <laughs> yep. Huh? Yeah. Ask him about the power play and be Make like, "Yeah, working on it." <laughs> You'll be Dicky Dunn. See, we brought it all the way back around. I started. I started with the Paul Mile, and you finish with with Reg Dunlop. There you go. That's beautiful. Let's go get a libation with a umbrella in it or something, Mike. Huh? Soak in some vitamin D. You look like you could use some. What? A reminder to all of you out there. Come up with better suggestions for the Hints Robo Pavelski line. And from us, our our hearts, pre-Thanksgiving, we appreciate every one of you listening to the Podman Rush, presented by truly hard seltzer you've been listening to the Podman rush with daryl razor ray presented by truly hard seltzer an official production of the dallas stars to stay up to date on all things stars visit dallasstars.com or download the official dallas stars app today that was excellent